podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Um, thank you so much, everybody that's here this evening. Sorry that you've obviously been waiting. Seb was making sure he looked his absolute best for all of us. Uh, and we do obviously appreciate that everybody's here and waited for us. So thank you so much. We have gone straight on to my score screen. There you go. You can look at it for a little bit longer. That's fine. But obviously, I'll tell you what we're doing tonight. Game week three is in the books. We are looking forward to game week four now. And finally, we've got a Monday night where we are not having to watch football while doing the stream, which is obviously fantastic as well. As always, you are joined by me, Andy, FPL Mode, and we are also joined by Seb. How's it going, Seb? Evening, mate. It's going okay, thank you. A little bit rushed at the end there. But um, but okay, I am, I am tired in a good way, you know, when like bank holiday day, out all day. Um, so like happy, tired. If that yeah. makes sense, yeah. and obviously we were uh, we were chasing Pokemon over the weekend as well, so uh, oh, yeah. a lot of lot, lot of out and walking. But um, <laughs> yeah, apolo- and apologies, chat. We're late. Uh, we are late because I was finishing putting all these screens together. So there's a bunch of screens for you tonight, which hopefully are good. But it took a little longer than I had, so that is why we are a few minutes late. My apologies. Exactly. You'll all appreciate it in the end, I promise. Um, so. Tonight then, as you can see, we are going to look at our points and how we got on this week. We have got our ranks on the screen now, so you can see those. Both green arrows this week, which is fantastic. Uh, 337k for Seb, 837k for me, which I looked it up. I think it's nine points. So nine points to the difference with 500k places there. So it is is very, very bunched up, as you can tell. We're going to be looking at our points. We're going to be looking at the overs and unders uh, this week so far. So those players that are performing over expectations and those players that are performing under expectations. We're going to have a big thing about midfielders. Everybody wants midfielders at the moment. If we could, I'm pretty sure everybody would be playing... I don't know, 291 at the moment. Uh, no, that doesn't work. 191. Um, because midfielders are just all the buzz. So we're going to be looking at midfielders in a little bit more detail. And we're going to be picking out three or four players that we want to talk about in a little bit more detail and have a bit of a discussion about as well. Because for me, I might be making two midfielder moves this week. Then we're going to be looking a little bit at Man City. One of those midfielders in particular we'll be looking at and his strike partner as well. We're going to be looking at our teams, going to be looking at the community team. We will do over or under with a fantastic new graphic as well from FPL Feral. So we'll be bringing that up too. And then we'll have a bit of a Q&A. So it's going to go, it's going to go pretty quickly this week, I think. Now, for all those listening to the pod, I'm going to now change to my team screen. And here it is. Uh, so my team seat, here we go. This is how I got on this week. 55 points. To be honest, I was actually pretty happy with this. I was pretty happy with my Chelsea boys returning on Friday night. No, I didn't have Sterling and no, I didn't have Gusto, but the rest of it seemed okay. So I had Pickford in goal. Yes, I still had Pickford. Uh, I had Chilwell, who got six, uh, Saliba one, Estupinan one, Martinelli two, Rashford seven, Matoma one, Saka eight, Bruno Fernandes with 12, Jackson, who I brought in this week for Pedro, which turned out to be a pretty good move, uh, got seven. Haaland was my captain, who got me eight points. I had Colwell first on my bench, who got me six. Shaw who I didn't move out because I didn't want to yet, to be perfectly honest. Uh, got me zero because obviously he's injured now long term. Uh, and Osula with one. Turner with three. I didn't realise Turner got three. I didn't just realise that. So even then, I, so every week I think I've got the rotation wrong. There you go. Um, yeah, very happy with this, to be perfectly honest. Kept Bruno and Rashford. Returned me 19 points. I know quite a few people lost patience in those. I could have had a bigger haul from the Chelsea lads, but that's what it is. I think I was one 
0.6 million before this week, so half my rank. So yeah, we'll take it. And I got two free transfers going into this week, which I'm very, very happy about as well. So although I'm treading water and I haven't had one of those big jumps like a lot of people, I do feel like I am very well set up with two free transfers. I haven't been hit hard with injuries like some people have. Obviously, I've got Shaw, but actually, I'm probably going to be keeping Shaw this week anyway. So, yeah, I feel like I'm in a good place. Um, Seb, you're in a slightly better place than me. And there's that certain four million defender that I said, Seb, do you regret that move? And obviously, you don't now. Now nah, that went all right, didn't it? Although there was another move that could have uh, could have been very tasty. So, so my team is Edison. He finally got two points, returning to the mean, as is his way. Yeah. Uh, Chihuahua with six, Gusto with 14, which is lovely, and started as well, didn't come on for Gabriel. That was a, a genuine start over Gabriel, who is still on my bench, only because needs to use my transfers elsewhere, so that's fine. Uh, and then Supernam brings that up as well with one point. I was thinking, before I move on to the rest of the team, is this, for a lot of people, the week where the Gabri- uh, Gabriel Saliba thing actually swings back yeah. to even? Because some people who had Gabriel may well have now had Gabriel subbed out, for, for example, Augusto, or, I mean, probably not a Matty Cash, unless you're very lucky, but something like that. Yeah. All those points Saliba has got over the first couple of weeks ahead of Gabriel, people may now have won back because Gabriel didn't get any minutes. I'm not one of those people. So um, I, I think, to be fair, though, I've got Gusto. I may have made other moves, so I will very happily count that as even. I've got a I... feeling we won't hear about it as much, though. <laughs> if what do you got mean? Those, if they've got those points oh, people... back now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm perfectly happy that, like, you know, it's it's evened out maybe very quickly, which is which is fine. Yeah. Um. I would have played these same three players had I had Saliba. I'm pretty sure I would have benched him for a Stupinan anyway, or at least I would have benched a Stupinan for him. I would have always played the double Chelsea because I started with double Chelsea. That was the plan. So fair enough. Uh, Rashford with seven and Bruno Fernandes with twelve in the midfield. Lovely that they came good after I think last week we tried to urge people not to sell them. So nice that they returned some points. I mean, obviously Forrest at home. Uh, Saka took a penalty, which is interesting as well. Yeah. After Erdegaard, Erdegaard didn't last week. I uh, did, sorry, last week, and Saka took the, took one this week, which is, I think, fair to say they're probably just about Saka's, but clearly he can give them away sometimes. Uh, Havertz, who is giving away, I don't know, all of my points, uh, and Mbumo, who finally didn't score a penalty. Uh, Jackson up front, who was my transfer, got rid of Mbama and brought in Jackson using about 2.9 of my 3 million or something. Uh, Harlan captain, as with everyone else, got a goal, missed a penalty doesn't matter when he's 90% owned and everyone captains him yeah. and the bench the only really interesting thing there I guess is Joe Pedro who remains in my team mostly just because I had one transfer rather than two because of all those Saliba James blah 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 nonsense um so I opted to do Mbama to Jackson rather than Havertz to Sterling which was we chatted I mean everyone has this story don't they so again you, you complain for three seconds then you move on but um I was very close to doing Havertz to Sterling the reason it would have been great this week. The reason I didn't is I think my team is nicer going forward if I have Jackson and Haaland up front and then can move Havertz to, say, a non-Chelsea midfielder, for example, yeah. say a Foden or something. I think it makes more sense for how I want to play my team until the world card. But right now, I'd, I'd take those 19 points and, uh, yeah. and a worse structure for sure. But I didn't do that. So, uh, so we move on. And I bet there's a lot of people out there going, no, you didn't. Of course, you almost did it. No, <laughs> we're, we've got our little Scoutcaster group chat going and you were like, Oh, I think I might get Sterling. I'm, I think I I'm might nor- get Sterling. I'm normally good for those as well. Like that was the it was similar to the. I mean, I don't want to mention Wilson too many times this year because it was last year and we've done it enough. You know, don't want to become Andy Martin. 
love, love you, Andy. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's similar to like the Wilson one, and and to be fair, and the Foden one that went badly for me last yeah. Christmas. Normally, when I'm at a point where I'm like, oh, Andy Jack and uh, 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 Andy Rich, I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking I'll do this thing like five minutes before deadline. I normally do. Didn't follow it through, so I deserve I deserve no credit. Yeah, after one goal, you were like. Ah, uh, it happens. After two, you were like, oh, no, I regret this Whoopsie. now. <laughs> yeah. Whoopsie. But it happens, doesn't it? It happens. And actually, you got Jackson in. Jackson scored a goal. You're well set up moving forward. It's fine. Yeah. And we're going to talk a lot about midfielders tonight anyway. Before I move on to going on to our over and under stats, all of the stats you see here tonight are from the members area with Scout. So make sure if you're not a member yet, go on there. The, the members area is brilliant. And all the stats you see from here, the overs, the unders, and a lot of our decision making comes from that as well. So do make sure if you're not a member already, you, uh, you sign up. And while I'm plugging at the moment, make sure you like the stream as well, because that would really, really uh, help us. And just forget about the us being late. Forget about that. Right, uh, so let's have a look at the overperformers so far. And actually, there is starting to get a little bit of a pattern, even after three weeks here. There seems to be getting the same players that are on it. Obviously, they will be because they were high overperformance in the first two weeks anyway. And we're just adding on to that. But if anything, they are, they are adding on to what they've already done. And Ward-Prowse is high up on this list. I've got a feeling he's going to be high up on this list most of the season, to be perfectly honest. A lot of people are looking at West Ham assets, Seb, because they've got Luton next. And I feel like a lot of people are going to be looking at assets from the team that are playing Luton every week. They've got yeah. they've got Luton next. War Prowse is there. A lot of people fancy Bowen. Just quickly, because obviously I've got the rest of the list to go through, but War Prowse is there right at the top. Do you fancy War Prowse? As I, I'd a player? Go Bowen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sure he's a very lovely man. I'd, <laughs> I, I, I'd go Bowen. Yeah. Yeah, if you're looking, and I think like targeting Luton is a fair thing. Or they're looking at their fixtures. As soon as like Sterling had scored his second, I remember thinking like, who do Luton play every week? Because yeah, they were bad. And actually, their fixtures are really nice. It's actually a bit annoying that they don't have like players we're gonna naturally have. And also, I do wonder because this is their first home game coming up now, isn't it? And I'm wondering yes. whether newly promoted team at home is it going to be what we expect it to be? I don't know. I mean, I'm hesitant to like judge too quickly because we know how this goes, but they don't... I mean, I don't think anyone thought they were a Premier League team at the beginning of the summer, and I don't know if they've turned into one by the end of the summer. Yeah, Their their championship season was remarkable. They they did brilliant, but they scored... Off the top of my head, was it like 50 goals or something like stupidly small yeah. in 46 matches? It was obviously based on a solid defence, that low block, and you know a great plan and a bit of luck, probably. But coming into the Premier League, like they really have to up that defensive game if that's how they're going to survive in the Premier League. And I think based on what we saw against Chelsea, Chelsea have been fine. Like, you know, we'll talk about Sterling a bit later. But from it was one of the few matches this weekend I watched. And watching it, I guess, adding the context to when you look at the numbers, Chelsea messed up so many attacks before the numbers ever would have shown up. Like, you know, chances created or shots or anything. They were just falling over balls all over the place. Luton, whenever the ball, whenever the play broke down, were just so open for Jackson and Sterling to run through the lines that if they don't sort that out, you'd be fair enough targeting them, I think, going forward. Yeah, yeah I, th I, I do think we're starting to see those teams that are really open and really kind of letting teams attack them. But obviously that can change. This is, again, this is only three weeks in. And I think someone said today, you know, you never judge a league table until Christmas. But there are teams like Luton where you're thinking, oh, yeah, but they, they might be struggling anyway. <laughs> yeah. um, 
the rest of this table, by the way. So we've got Warprouse at the top. Rodri's next. Then Diaby. Aurea, Gusto, Estupanan, uh, Awunyi, Nunes, March, and Inciso. Three Brighton lads there, all overperforming at the moment. Fixtures turn a little bit now, Seb. If you are on, for instance, a Matoma, or a Pedro, or even a Stupanan, would you be looking to maybe use this time to move on? Because a lot of people got these Brighton lads thinking, three weeks in, going to ditch them after that. Has anything changed? That's funny, isn't it? Like, was it only a week ago Stupanan was returning, you know, mid-teens in terms of points, and we're all talking about, oh, well, we'll hold them through, because, yeah, sure, I might not play them, but great player, I don't want to lose price rises. I'd imagine now we go back the other way and we go, oh no, they just conceded a bunch of goals to a team I thought they probably wouldn't. Maybe I can sell them. The truth is in the middle, I suspect, right? Like I think a lot of people plan to sell most, if not all their Brighton players. If you've got a midfielder and a forward, so probably Jao Pedro, probably Mitama, then I think they're easier sells because there's a lot of good midfielders and some good forwards as well. Someone like a Stephen Ann maybe can go sit on your bench because defender transfers aren't as sexy and there's maybe fewer attractive defenders over this period. So I think benching is fine. And yeah, not wanting to lose the 0.1 you will have like actually banked in terms of real value here is kind of fair enough. If you have to go and buy him back at 5.3 when you paid five or or hell, say they go and keep a clean sheet and score a goal next week and it's 5.4. That could hurt a little bit. So I'd understand. I'd understand holding on to him. But I think if you had set up to sell, for example, say to Trippier, and then you're wildcarding in game eight or nine. I do think you stick with that plan. You reckon, yeah. Andy? Yeah, I, th- I, I like the stupid answer. I, I think you can stick with him for, at least for the next couple of weeks because he's just so far forward and his heat maps are just ridiculous. But with someone like Matoma, I feel like you can kind of move off them. Because I've got Matoma and I'm thinking about moving off them just because I think he's going to struggle so much to keep up with the players like Mbumo, Madison, Sterling. I just don't see him potentially doing it. <laughs> You're having trouble there. Um, I, I have not managed to drink that bottle of water. <laughs> it's tough. That's man. not how you do that. No. That's not how you do that um, at all. And I do see him struggling to keep up with them, if that makes sense. And I think, especially now that their fixtures maybe get a bit trickier. Yes, they do have Bournemouth in game week six. But when you've got players like Mbumo, Foden, Madison, even Eze, who do have nice fixtures coming up, I think it's kind of natural that you you do move off them potentially. And Pedro for yeah. me is is a is a sell anyway. I think you worked it out today. I think he's averaging fifty minutes a game at the moment, isn't he? Uh, yeah, almost exactly. Which yeah. uh, which I think is is all right, but probably not what you want anymore with harder fixtures. Right? Yeah. You know, a decent gamble to start the season. I took it, and I think I felt fell a bit short. I think I predicted about sixty in terms of you know averaging over the few. But again, it depends how that comes because you could get you could average 60 minutes with no starts. That would obviously be ridiculous. It's the starts we want. Yeah. One start, two benchings, but half an hour off the bench each time. It's all right, but maybe would want a bit better and it will maybe be my transfer this week, although actually it probably won't, but it'll be a benching maybe. We'll see. Yeah. Um, moving on, just for, uh, we won't talk about him for very long, but people are starting to talk about Rodri. And the oh, don't do that, it. Don't, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. that. Maybe they could get him in because he started the season so well. He was 5.5 to start. He's now 5.7. He's got a return almost every week so far. With the lack of other midfielders at City, is it just that we go for Rodri? Yeah, Foden will miss control across every week <laughs> and Rodri will arrive in the area to smash it in the top corner with his left foot. Good I finish. Believe. It's a good finish. It's a great finish. And yeah. I mean, that's his thing, right? He, he, you know, he's decent at those like, long shots, especially those low-driven ones you see. But 
Nah. Nah. <laughs> I know. Nah. But, but I'm genuinely getting questions every day on Twitter going, what about Rodri? Why don't we if go like, Rodri? If like, I mean, obviously Enzo is a very different player, but a similar sort of question in terms of like, oh, should we go Enzo? Well, he's got, if he's got penalties, then that is very different. But the reason I raise Enzo is like, it's not like maybe all season there's a nailed Chelsea striker, like a Haaland, for example. Mm-hmm. There's a nailed defender or goalkeeper that you must have, although I know, you know, James Chilwell might be taking that mantle. And so then our only real spot for City is one more spot outside of defence and Haaland. Mm-hmm. You're going to spend that on Rodri over like Foden or Alvarez or, or De Bruyne later in the season? I don't know, man. People that did. Double double defense is probably you know, if you're just now. if you're just after those minutes double defense. Yeah. Uh, before we move off the uh, the overs, um, your man came up clutch for Liverpool, didn't he? Came oh yeah, on, he's 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 on this. Came so, on, so, got two goals. He's on this list. He's Darwin is overperforming. He's which overperforming his xG. So, I think the world might be about to end. So you know Darwin Nunes from game week what eight and nine. If he's if he's getting some minutes and yeah. I mean it, they looked explosive with him on the pitch. It's minutes though, isn't it? I, yeah. I, I would love you know I would love to, and I would love to try and convince other people so that they could join me in my pain. But it's minutes. You can't you can't be going there without an assurance of minutes. And scoring two goals off the bench is nice. I don't think that proves anything in terms of him starting consistently. Yeah, I, honestly, there are times where there's certain players that I think about when I uh, sorry, there's certain people I think about when I think of players. Whenever I hear Sterling, I think of Flapjack. He loves him and he loves Salah as well. Whenever I think of Nunes now, I mean, it's Sebastian Nunes. That is literally who I think about now. Good name. Can I just mention as well, by the way, uh, I think we have FBL Fran in the chat who did do the Sterling move and also owned Gusto. So uh, fair play, fair play. You are the person I wish I I wish I was. You are tall, (laughs) handsome, smart and good at FBL. Exactly. Right. Uh, yeah, well done, mate. That was really, that was fantastic. It was lovely seeing that on the timeline as well. Um, so looking at the underperformers now, which is usually the kind of, they're not quite doing it yet, but we're expecting them to. And Bruno and Rashford were obviously on this list last week. Bruno is still on this list. He's second. Enzo Fernandez is top. Uh, I'm assuming because he missed that penalty didn't really help. Uh, Bruno Fernandez second. Then Eze. Uh, Cunha for Wolves is fourth. Mope. Mope is going to be on this list all year, so I'm, I'm almost tempted to just ignore him now. Uh, Jackson <laughs> is on this list too. Anthony, Saka, Decore, and then Havertz. Um, I won't talk about the United lads too much because we've seen they've had a, a an interesting start, but obviously Bruno Fernandes did return this week, which was lovely. Eze's on that list, though. He's got some lovely fixtures coming up. What's your take on Eze at the moment? Because I look at him and think... He's a fantastic player. He's basically Zaha now, isn't he? He's a fantastic player in a team that isn't very good at attacking. And it seems to be that he looks good and he's getting the uh, the underlyings, but getting returns is going to be tricky for him. I guess like Zaha in terms of FPL pedigree. Obviously well. very, very different. Very, very different player. Oh, yeah, but yeah. if you want to go like to that. Palace... Yeah, yeah. sure. If, if you want to go to Palace, you're like immediately attracted to Eze as opposed to in the past. It may have been Zaha was the, per- the poster person for Palace. Yeah, I, reasonable. I agree with you. With good fixtures, I think the only reason Moore didn't start at the beginning of the season was fixtures yeah. and a, and a plethora of other options in midfield. But definitely on my list for a Havertz replacement, and very much so because having now spent basically all of my three mil in the bank to do Embarma to Jackson, if I want to be getting say Trippier at some point, I probably need to do Havertz down, not up. 
So, and then I've got Jao Pedro to move down maybe as well, but that's another transfer later on. So someone like Eze is a little bit cheaper, but putting up numbers in three weeks or whatever, but similar to some more expensive assets is, is pretty attractive to me. And I, you know, an underperformer, I'm a, I'm a sucker for an under underperformer. <laughs> apart from apart from Neil Morpé, that's not underperforming. That's just him performing. Yeah, exactly. Um, Jackson's another one as well. Obviously, a lot of people jumped on Jackson last week. Got a goal. I'm not going to lie. I watched the first half and I was thinking, what have I done here? Because he he looked like he really struggled. Second half, he did come into it a bit more. I mean, we were messaging, weren't we? And I was going, we're not getting. Man, you got me as well because I thought I thought he'd been like it was that classic. Obviously, like. Um... Not uh, sorry, I was distracted by a comment in the chat. Yes, I am very short. Um, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, what well, it was one of the one of those one of those performances where like just watching aesthetically him basically miscontrol stuff, under hit passes, and like run and then fall over. You'd go, what an absolute joke of a player. But I think both FPL and real life align nicely here because it's not like he was just invisible or missing or in the wrong position or whatever. He was massively involved. And sure, if he fell over when he tried to turn, he was turning just outside the edge of the area where if he kept his feet, he drives into the area. Stuff like that encourages me. Uh, Okay, if he falls over all season, then you go, okay, brilliant. He just isn't, you know, he isn't being used correctly because he can't pull off the things he's trying to do. But one match where maybe he's just not quite, you know, not quite clicking, but very, very close. That reminds me of, basically every striker in the past in FPL that we want before other people. You know, if they score goals straight away, then there's no edge there. Darwin last year didn't come good for me, but Jackson reminds me of that. Bright positions, oh God. numbers, oh God. looking like he can make stuff happen, involved. I'm, I'm very happy to win. Yeah, Sebastian Jackson. I like it. Uh, no, <laughs> I, I, I do completely agree with you. I, and I think I can remember a manager saying this years ago, saying that you don't mind if your striker misses chances as if they get not getting the chances that you've got to worry. And, and he yeah, is exactly. getting the chances. Exactly. And that team's got, you know, it's going to be in a bit of a transition this year because they basically changed the whole squad again. But it, I think he's still a good pick. But my question this week for you with Jackson, and I know we're going to come on to Sterling a little bit later anyway, but if you didn't make that move last week and now you don't have Sterling and you don't have Jackson, they're both pretty much the same price. Jackson is 7.1. I think Sterling's still seven at the moment. No, I think Sterling did he move up. up as well. Yeah, I think so, yeah. So they're exactly basically price. one of the reasons Rich did them, isn't it? Which one would you go with now? Knowing this week's data where Sterling I've had an absolute haul, which one would you go with now? So, I, I think, like, there's a reason a few people were already i i say a few people basically fran going sterling because he was looking decent in those first few weeks maybe just not quite turning it into fpl relevant stuff yet so i don't think him performing brilliantly against the worst team he'll play all season at home so the easiest fixture all year probably is as big a surprise as it could have been to see in other circumstances but i also don't think anyone predicted two goals and an assist so the reason i say that is if the plan was always jackson for example i don't think sterling has done enough to necessarily mean you rip up your plans. Mm-hmm. But if you were undecided, then that's maybe where Sterling has edged it for you. For me, I've obviously already gone uh, Jackson. And so I can't, I've got uh, Gusto and Joel as well. So I can't go and like backtrack and go Sterling. And I think my team structure is better without Sterling, or at least that's what I'm telling myself to get to sleep at night. Um, <laughs> but there'll be, uh, there'll be other people who obviously are better set up to have Sterling, for example. Um, say if someone has Haaland and Alvarez, I guess you've probably removed Foden from the equation for yourself. And so your available spot is more likely a midfielder. So Sterling, absolutely fair enough. But the important thing to say, and of course, this goes for Jackson too. They've just maybe had the easiest fixture they will have all season. 
of course, they can gel more, they can play better as a team. So later in the season, they may put in a better performance, but they can't play Luton at home again. So we want to be careful about chasing what, in theory, was the best fixture they're going to have all year. Yeah. And it, and it's worth saying as well, like, it's not like you're taking a, a massive gamble going with these players at the moment. They're 7.1 million. Like, it's you're actually downgrading one of your midfielders to get to, like, a Sterling, for instance. So it doesn't feel like it was a gamble. Like, someone like Bruno Fernandes, 8.5 you think, oh, right, How do I need to change my team around to fit someone like that in? And then does it become a gamble? Someone like Sterling, like I said, people are maybe moving off of someone like Martinelli to get to Sterling. It doesn't seem like a gamble at the moment. Don't get me wrong. It, it could not work out. Of course it can, because everything can not work out. But it just seems like it, it doesn't seem as much of a gamble as it could be at just 7.1 million. Um, yeah. I mean, hey, look, if he's, he's a 200-point player, for Man City a few years ago. If he gets anywhere near that again, 7.1 is outrageous. Grab that immediately. Um, We know we're probably about four or five weeks away from wildcard, most of us. So again, for me, for example, I'm Chilwell, Gusto, and Jackson. If James is back fit, I've got to reverse the Gusto move at some point. So I haven't got Sterling for a few weeks. But when I wildcard, I will certainly, with a bit more information uh, to play with as well, which is nice, I will certainly be looking at you know, Sterling as part of a Chelsea defender, Chelsea midfielder type idea, I think, depending on how the fixtures look. Yeah, lovely stuff. Uh, right, let's move on to midfielders then, because this is all the talk at the moment, and there are a lot of people that are starting a wild card now as well, and it's starting to say either, I've not started the way I wanted, my team's not where I want it to be on wildcarding, or they looked at this time and said, yep, yeah, this is when I wanted to wildcard anyway. So a lot of people are wildcarding. I haven't seen many... 4-4-2s. I haven't seen many 4-3-3s or 3-4-3s. It's all about those five midfielders at the moment and everybody wants them. And Seb, what I want before we finish today is for us to say, if we were on a wild card, these are the five midfielders I would be picking. So who are the best five midfielders to own at the moment? So we're going to use their stats so far and obviously we're going to think about their fixtures too. We've got the stats up here at the moment, which is based on their XGI so far this season, isn't it? Yeah, this is all this season so yeah. far. Uh, lovely stuff. So um, Bruno Fernandes is top. Uh, then it's Mbumo. Then Harvey Barnes, which is quite interesting. Uh, then we've got Saka, Madison, Bailey is in there. Salah, Matoma, Diaz, Bowen, Foden, Enzo. This is all going in order at the moment based on their XGI so far this season. Then we've got, so it carries on going, March, Ward-Prowse, Eze, Rashford, Diogo Jota, Sterling, Diaby, Odegaard, Grealish, Havertz, Son, and Martinelli right at the end there. Now, straight away I'm looking at some of these players and I'm thinking Bruno Fernandes, quite a few people own, but they've got a tough fixture this week. If you were wildcarding this week, would Bruno be in your team? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yes. Based on his involvement so far in on-pens. Yeah, I mean, not even... So obviously these are numbers, as you said, from the first three weeks so far. Um, which is far too little data, but we can be reassured by this is mostly a familiar list and not far off a familiar order for most of them as well, right? Of course, you know, someone like Bruno isn't going to keep up 1.3 XGI per 90. This is Mm -hmm. for the whole season. We expect that to maybe even half, right? You know, get right down to 0.7, 0.8, which would still be brilliant, maybe 0.9, whatever. Um, But I think there's nothing too surprising on here generally. So we can carry this forward with us. You'd want to go and look at last season too. Of course, you'd want to look at anyone who's had tactics change. So we've discussed Arsenal a lot already. You mentioned Martinelli there. 
pretty disappointed with Martinelli, to be honest. The whole left side has not looked good, which does involve Havertz. It does obviously involve the idea that, once again, Zinchenko didn't play, Gabriel didn't play. They went with uh, Kivar out there and the the same inversion from the right. So whether that is now just a tactical choice that will mean that Gabriel sits, or if it's because Zinchenko wasn't ready, but Gabriel will still sit. Havertz has obviously changed the build-up there a bit. Uh, Speaking to Arsenal fans... What ones that I think are sort of relatively level-headed don't think Havertz has been bad, even they think he's been quite good. But for FPL, he's obviously not put up much, so uh, I don't think we need to worry about him much going forwards. And then Arsenal as a team, they clearly need to work into this sort of new build-up patterns and whatnot, the new construction down the left especially, uh, or go back to what they were doing before. But, but other than that, and say Chelsea as well, I think it's pretty familiar. Son spent most of last season down there. He's still down there. He's very, very wide on the left. But what we've done, because this is 24 players, if I counted while I was talking there very quickly, yeah. um, that's too many fully to digest. So we've pulled out a few, which yeah. was which was you, Andy. You you named the list. I did. So we've pulled out a few players to look at in a bit more detail. The one thing I really want to emphasize, and the reason we put this up first, is that just because we're looking at, I think, four or five players here, that doesn't mean we're saying get these players or, or don't get these players. They're just some that we think are interesting to discuss based on what's happened so far, what might be to come in the future, especially with fixtures. Uh, but this probably is the list you want to go back to. You know, this is 24 midfield options from which you can select your favourite five or one if you don't have a wild card. Yeah. And the first one we brought up is Madison. So Madison was was on that list that we just showed you. His stats so far this season have been good. He's playing for a team that are playing good attacking football, actually. And they play quite consistently. You're expecting them to play that style of play quite consistently, which is always good in terms of will he replicate the data we're seeing so far. He seems integral to that team and he seems to be on everything as well, which is lovely to see as well. He is a player that I am looking at and I really want. And there's not many players in a season where I look at him and go, oh, I really want him. And I've watched him the last three weeks and gone, oh, I really want him. And it, and you brought up, a, you, you set us up here, kind of a heat map from last season at Leicester and this season so far at Spurs, haven't you? And the kind of areas he's operating in. Yeah, so firstly, to say I'm with you, like, if I'm going to cry myself to sleep about not having Sterling, hopefully Madison will wake me up with a joy in the morning. Let's what? let's let's move on from that analogy. Hang on, no, no, say um, that again, but slower. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so yeah, no, um, ho- hopefully, hopefully, if I do go for someone like Madison or whatever, that, that justifies the, uh, the not getting Sterling, because obviously I've got my Chelsea striker up front now, uh, and Alvarez is an interesting one for Jao Pedro to talk about later, but, but Madison, so... The first thing to point out with what you're seeing here on the video and the graphics is that right-hand side, 22-23, is obviously a lot hotter than the left-hand side. That's because he played 30-odd matches on the right and he hasn't so far on the left. So obviously, please don't look at that whole thing and think, oh my goodness, he's hardly involved. It's sort of the pattern we're looking to look at rather than necessarily the sort of density of that pattern. And actually, what I think is super interesting is if I didn't tell you the left-hand side was Spurs and I just told you it was Madison playing for Leicester again in the first couple of matches of this season, you'd believe me, with one exception, and that's he isn't going right, he's going left. Yeah. Now, of course, on the on, on the right-hand side, he goes left plenty as well, but he very clearly stops. There's that sort of like quite nice line outside the box which replicates, you know, when you see those pass maps where um, teams obviously pass, you know, or like around the box, across the box, down the channels, down the side. And then what you want to see is some like nice ones that cut into the box, but it always makes this pattern where it just looks like you never pass into the box because obviously that's what the other team defend. Madison heat, heat, heat map almost looks the same. 
because I guess he's the player making those passes. He gets yeah. the touches outside the back, down the channels, trying to look to go into the box. So you get this nice little line that just cuts him off from the box, obviously with a few entries, which you would expect. But then down the left, it jumps a bit. And I was wondering, complete speculation, someone like Harvey Barnes or something like that. Maybe that's because that's where Harvey Barnes is occupying, sort of coming inside. So Madison isn't taking that space. Whereas for Spurs, with him maybe coming left a bit here, I know we've got Son out there, but Kulisevsky comes inside from the right a lot more. It looks like Son's been asked to stay wide, yeah, like yeah, really yeah. wide. The goal uh, this weekend, I think Madison's goal came from Son first out wide mm-hmm. and then bringing it back across. So maybe Madison is now coming out to this left. But with not quite enough data to draw a firm conclusion, it's looking a lot like he is very involved in the same way he was for Leicester, although with a few obviously tactical differences. And we can't just say that from a heat map, which is why we've obviously got some numbers at the top as well. This is just a bit more detail from the uh, previous page on his season so far. Uh, some encouraging numbers. Obviously, a very, oh, I was going to say a very slight overperformance, actually. Don't think it is. He's basically bang on. So that's very encouraging. Yeah. Um, if he if he continues that, you would say there's, you know, there's a bit of signal there. Three weeks again, of course. If he took a penalty, he becomes yeah, I know, well, you know like Fernandez level yeah. of useful, right? Yeah, big time. And I mean, for me, it, I would want to own Madison over Bruno Fernandez if he was on penalties, because I don't necessarily Ooh, trust. Shout. I don't necessarily trust that Bruno. I love Bruno, by the way, and he's great at creating. He's just like Madison in that. But am I expecting Madison to get as many bookings? I'm not. Am I expecting? Am I expecting? the exact style of play I'm expecting from United every single week. No. Whereas I feel like with Spurs, we're going to see that most weeks. So I just feel like I'm going to get more consistency out of Madison. The only thing I will say about him is whenever he's been like this, whenever he's done it with Leicester, you have to jump on him early because he'll either get injured or he's a streaky player and he'll go a little bit quiet for a bit. And I (laughs) feel like this is his kind of, this is his hot streak starting already. I wasn't... (sighs) I'm edging towards maybe not getting him this week because he's got Burnley away, which isn't an awful fixture, but there's two others that have nicer fixtures. And I'm just wondering whether that might be a mistake. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think this is going to come down to fixtures, isn't it? There are, there are, well, we, we had 24 midfielders there who were just like the top 24 of a XGI in terms of the ones that we thought were interesting as well. We cherry picked that list. So you can't have all of them. You know, you, you can't even have a quarter of them. Uh, so you do have to choose, and I think we're going to have to do that based on fixtures. If Madison got penalties, that's why then you start going, well, do I just hold for a long time? Yeah. But I don't think he has penalties. No, His penalty record is all right, I think, off the top of my head. But I don't know if he's ever been long-term first choice. Son obviously used to take them when Kane wasn't there. There's no reason Son wouldn't keep taking them, especially with the captain's armband, I believe. Yeah, he's less involved in outfield play. Doesn't mean he wouldn't take a penalty. The one thing that is nice with Madison, though, uh, and we did see a bit of this at Leicester, where he would, you know, when he was playing centrally, especially rather than when he was put out on the right so much. Again, looking at those maps, we can see he's obviously playing right because sometimes he started out there but came inside. He is still getting beyond the striker, the Richarlison in this in this shape. Striker. Obviously, Harry Kane. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, you know, his hold up's been all right and stuff. But yeah, you're right. Maybe that's why he's getting beyond him. But we saw him do that for Leicester. He was often the furthest forward, often off the ball, so he wouldn't show up on a heat map. But that's great because if he's you know making those runs off the ball, getting there, sometimes a ball will find him. If he's doing that again for Tottenham, the goal threat is lovely alongside the assist threat. Mm-hmm. I kinda because in preseason I remember saying like I didn't want him because I thought Kane or Son would be the the main people in that team. Clearly, I was wrong there. It's kind of a shame Kane's left because that Madison Kane partnership, a bit like Kane Son, but Madison a lot cheaper, would have been amazing. 
I wonder yeah. if do you reckon when Madison was like over the summer talking to Tottenham, do you reckon he knew Kane was leaving? Or do you think he was told like you're going to play with Harry Kane? Probably, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, probably a big harsh. selling point as well. Yeah. But I, I, I mean, like you just said, that I, I love the fact that actually with Kane it would have been brilliant because you would have had that person that was you know getting the returns and, and he was obviously linking up with. But I do think because Kane used to drop deep and provide that creativity as well, Madison's kind of taking that on, if that makes sense. And I like yeah. that, if that makes sense. Like that team needs him to be that player. And the fact he's on all the set pieces as well. Like I, I just really want to know from you, if you were making a transfer this week and you didn't have lots of these midfielders we've already spoken about, <laughs> would Madison be top of the list for you? Would he be, yeah, he's a player I want. I want him in as soon as possible. I mean, he's he's on the list for the transfer I might make this week. So, yeah, I don't know if he's number one. You are not allowed to say this about every midfielder because we've got we got three more to talk about here, right? Uh, well, I own a couple of them, and there's actually one that I think I'm not getting. So, Ooh. right next up is Mbomo Mbomo. Um, for me, I am looking at him this week and saying with that fixture against Bournemouth at home. And the fact he is the only midfielder that we're going to talk about this on penalties, I feel like he's a priority in. I feel like he has done in, he's done well already this season. I know I've you know I've streamed a marker and he's not that convinced. He thinks he's kind of overperforming. We've looked at you know he's potentially overperforming, but he's on penalties, which helps. We've got his heat maps up from last season and from this season, and we've got his stats as well. Talk us through what you think about Mbumo, because neither of us own him, do we? Uh, I own Mbumo. Oh, you do own Mbumo, sorry. Yeah, penalties and minutes, my friend. Um, yeah, I, was just trying to look, I was just trying to look at the numbers there to see if you know if he is overperforming. So goals, 1, XG, 1.1 uh, per 90, I think that is. Uh, and then assists, we have, what, 0.7, 0 assists. So actually, is he, by that, he's underperforming. But it massively helps that he's taken a penalty and two missed penalties. a sitter. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like, oh, yeah, two penalties. Good point. Oh, yeah, fair. So, like, if Mark is saying, obviously, when Mark says he's overperforming, I don't think he means by the numbers. No, 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 that's no. what I heard. I, I think from the numbers, you can't draw a conclusion. There's not enough. So, yeah, fair enough. If you took those penalties out, would you go, he's missed a sitter, scored one, meh. Um, but that's the thing. We can't take the penalties out. I'm a big fan. It's lucky that we've had two penalties so far. You know, it'd be entirely fair if he went six to eight weeks without a penalty now. The reason I put up these maps, and we don't have this for, for every player, it's you know similar to the Madison one though, is just to very quickly look, and maybe this is just me, with Tony out the side, was there an argument for like him being more central, either literally or figuratively speaking, to Brentford's play in terms of him maybe taking up that main striker role? I think the answer is no. Uh, obviously, watching them play is one of the ways you'd want to work this out, but I, I can't show you video here. So we have we have a heat map for you. 2022-23 on the right, 23-24 on the left, same as with Madison's one. And it looks extremely similar. Obviously, again, the density isn't there. It'll build up over the season. But he's looking like the you know right winger half the time, a bit of a striker sometime. They kind of play the two up front, but he drops. Visser maybe being the main the main focal point there, or at least in terms of where the touches will come. So yeah, I think we are relying on the same sort of open play goal threat as last year, which was fine, but penalties. That's the big, big thing. And minutes as well. I think he's got 90 in all the matches so far, whereas last year he was getting subbed off. But now, because they, you know, they don't have Tony to remain on the pitch, maybe Mbuma is the one who's getting getting those minutes, even if it's not that, that central location. So while I wouldn't necessarily agree with you in terms of you must get him now, 
if you don't have him, you probably need him at some point. But I think unlike someone like, I don't know, unlike, say, a Sterling, who you might feel desperate for, or like even maybe Madison or whoever, who we feel maybe could make a really big impact in, say, their next match. Yeah. And Bumu feels more like just at some point this season, you need to be owning him for most of it while he's fit and while it makes sense. But I don't know if any week he's ever top of the list. Do you know yeah. what I mean? See, I'm being bullish. I'm saying he's top of the list. I'll go week. for it. I, I, I've, I've been looking at it because I'm, like I said, most probably going to make two transfers this week and it will be two midfielders most likely as well. And I just feel like I need Mbumo. I, I feel like this week, home to Bournemouth, on penalties, I I don't see a world in where if I'm going to make two transfers in midfield, I don't bring him in. That doesn't mean I think he is the best long-term play. I'm thinking in terms of getting him in this week and then having him for the next three, four, five weeks, whatever it is, I feel yeah, like sure. he is he is pretty high up on my list. And he he's a lot like Madison in terms of he he seems to be quite talismanic for that team. And he's on a lot of stuff as well. And like you said, he's got the minutes and he's got the penalties. There's nothing to really not like about him. Don't get me wrong. You're looking at his return so far this season. Like you said, he's had a tap-in and he's had two penalties. But you've got to be there for the tap-in. Oh, tap-ins are the best. That's XG, exactly. big XG. Get yeah. in the right place. I, I will take a player that gets chances over a player who can finish chances if they're bad at the opposite of that every single time. And yeah. obviously that's not provable in reality because a player can't get chances isn't ever there to finish them anyway but xg is obviously a measure more of if you're in the right place to score a goal or if you're getting good chances over if you can finish them we can work that out with you know with goals versus xg and i think as you can tell from the numbers i often put forward here that i will i will always favor a player who is getting in the position to score over someone who is scoring but isn't looking like continuing to get into the position yeah um and now so i'm going to do this each time we've had madison we've had Mbumo. Rank him one and two. Who would you bring in this week? Uh, well, I already own Mbumo, so and I didn't start with Madison. So there, there's my answer. I chose Mbumo. I had the choice. I chose Mbumo, oh, and I think I might still. I think you're right in terms of it feels like something. I don't want to be too passionate on it because I'm I'm weary I'm I'm we- weary <laughs> I'm wary of <laughs> like telling someone but I'm, weary. I'm I'm weary of telling someone you know to like rip up their team. You must get Mbumo when. It doesn't feel like that, but at some point it needs to be. It needs to be in your midfield because good value, good yeah. points potential. And I, I, yeah. I he potentially is going to be going up in price. Look, he's worth seven, seven point five, eight million because he's on penalties and he's playing in a good team. I, 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 I don't think you need to bother worrying about getting in early before he goes up again like he's going to be worth the price if he goes up 0.1 before the end of the week so. in the i forget which league it is but you know one of the top 60 something or elite 64 analytics analytics 64 whichever one it is i think he was the only player outside of harland who was 100 percent owned and really? i think that probably tells you everything you need to know that's why i'm not in that league <laughs> uh, oh, so it's not that one then <laughs> no. right um moving on to sterling now so this is the obviously he had an absolute haul in his last game was it 19 points i think he got in the end yeah two yeah. goals and assist um some people were thinking about getting him but didn't get him um he <laughs> that was against you seb sorry um look uh, we started the season people were saying look maybe you could think about sterling i was quite happy to say I was nowhere near getting someone like Sterling had no idea how Chelsea were going to play there were some players like Jackson I was quite interested in Chilwell all the you know the wing backs we were but Sterling feels like he's come out of nowhere he has just 
have that game against Luton, which you've just alluded to is basically the easiest fixture they're going to have all year. But if you look at the heat maps here, he's the furthest one forward. He's getting in the box quite routinely as well. And actually, the first two games, he looked quite good as well. So are you looking to get Sterling in? So you can't, you mentioned, can you, but no, 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 I can't, I can't, but I would, I absolutely would be looking at it. Like, absolutely. Mm. I've considered like what my team would look like if I'd gone Sterling instead of Jackson, or if I'd rolled, um, a lot of people who I respect as FBI managers rolled, didn't make a transfer. Now they do have that choice to make. And I suspect they may be going Sterling and I, I reckon I'll be jealous because, well, he'll get more points for goals. If nothing else, if him and Jackson are just as threatening as each other and against Luton, they often look like a front two in mm. terms of where they were getting in the offensive phases. Sterling will will get more points for what he's doing. We have maps up here, uh, which you mentioned. The one on the left this time is just versus Luton. Uh, this is from SofaScore. This is one of the few things here that isn't from the Scout members area. Um, pretty much all of the rest of this is from the Scout members area. We have the stats tables are from the members area. Members area you can build your own, which we have done for un, over under, or you can just go look at some you know some big ones and uh, filter through the data. There's also the heat maps, which are on the players' profiles. You can see those for matches as well. The only reason I've gone so for score here is just because I could show you the team shape and Sterling's map on the same pitch here. So you can see there's Chelsea's shape. There's that back three. Chilwell basically playing as left winger again. Gusto exactly where James would have been. It's the shape we know they've played every single match very familiar sterling sitting in the similar sort of place as he has done so far in terms of the average position which is his little number seven in the circle that's his average position the one thing that's been different against luton that wasn't really present in the other two matches at least so much is that those massive touches in the area mm. and i think obviously one of those we have to be careful with you know single match things because you know his goal he sort of yeah. dribbled from wide right through the area quite close to goal finished it lovely far post for all I know, depending on how, you know, this map counts the data, that big red hotspot is basically that one dribble because <laughs> he, you know, if if it's not passes received, but it's literally touches of the ball, well, he had about five or six there. So maybe that's all of that. But there is also a couple outside of the area. You can see him getting, you know, central and forward. And I think that goes back to when we were talking about um, Luton in terms of they were so open for him and Jackson just taking the ball and carrying straight through the channels between their centre-back and full-back or between their centre-backs. And that's what we're seeing Sterling do here. On the right-hand side, we have 22-23 again, like the other ones. I actually expected when I was looking at this earlier for it to look really different. Mm. Kind of. And again, the Luton one is just the Luton match on the left-hand side, but the rest of his season looks similar so far. It's only two matches, but without the touches in the area. It looks really similar. So maybe this is a good argument for not just picking players based on heat maps, which I don't think anyone does. That would be insanity. But obviously it's what you're doing, you know, once you've got those touches or or, or, what, or what else you're doing in terms of releasing the ball from those positions. But we see here on the right hand side when he's playing right, he's playing left. He's obviously sort of sticking wide, but coming inside a fair bit. I recall hearing in the week that Sterling had mentioned to Poch, whether this is true or not, I'm not sure, but I will report it as I heard it, that he'd asked to be allowed to go wide a bit more. So as opposed to, say, forming a front two or playing behind a striker or anything like that, because he wanted the space to be able to express himself more as a player. It's where he felt he was better. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean, of course, he won't come inside. We've had that argument with Salah for two years now, and he's still scored well over 200 points, you know, not coming inside. If you get lots of touches wide, but then end up inside, that's brilliant. We only care about where you end up. But if Sterling, if, I don't know, for nothing else more than confidence, is playing in a position that feels better to him, he may well be getting in better positions for what we want for FPL. 
And so, yeah, I think it's entirely fair to say he has started this season brilliantly. He is looking a lot better than he did last season for Chelsea for a number of reasons. New manager, new system, maybe he's comfortable, whatever it is. And so while I don't necessarily think we're getting, was it like 18 goals, 15 assists from Man City back? We might be getting Chelsea's version of that at some point. And I think what we've seen so far verifies that enough. But we do need a lot more. The price is what means you can go there very, very easily. Like if he was priced at nine million, like a Rashford or something, you'd want more, right? Because what was his highest price at City? Did he get to about twelve mil at one point? I think, uh, yeah, I can't log in, but I think yeah. it was about twelve. I mean, he's seven mil now, which yeah. which is the difference. You know, you're not paying even you know, Sterling. What a year ago was nine mil. Like uh, you're not paying those premium prices anymore for him. And that's what makes the massive difference. Like, even if you were to be quite bullish on him and say, no, I don't think that's what we're going to see this season. For 7 million, people can take that gamble and it's absolutely fine. I am going to say, though, that I think that this is maybe a little bit of overreaction from, like you said, playing the easiest fixture he's going to have all year. And I, I do feel like people are kind of jumping on me quite quickly I will say that this week, even if I was only on double Chelsea, I think I'd be moving in and Bumo in Madison before Sterling, personally. But I've got triple Chelsea, so that's See, I, th- I thought you were going to say Sterling. Yeah, I'd probably be with you on that. Again, I have triple Chelsea. If I didn't, and I had two free transfers, maybe you know you could do both. Yeah. I think so. I'm trying to make sure we don't. I don't want to bounce too far either way, right? I want to praise what yeah. he's done so far, and you know, shout about how he's looking like a genuine option. But at the same time, we should take some caution with that. And we know in the FPL community, we can be susceptible to a bit of, bit of, bit of knee jerkiness, bit of reactionary takes there. Looking three matches is all it is, but 0.5 XGI per 90 there just at the top. That's not spectacular. It's basically bang on what Odegaard, Martinelli and Saka all got last year. Now, they scored really, really well, but it was fine to swap them, to change them. Maybe Saka was the only one we didn't because of penalties all season. So Sterling maybe is getting to that level, which is not game-breaking. It's just another midfielder who is, well, he's about 2 million under price, isn't he? That's the main thing. If he's priced at 9 million, he's an Arsenal-type midfielder based on three weeks of data. So take that with a heavy pinch of salt. But the idea is it should balance out what we're hearing on Match of the Day, what we're hearing you know, on, on podcasts or whatever, where he's looking brilliant, which I think he well, he may well be but we need end product. That's what we need in FPL. Yeah. Right, moving on to the next man, which is Foden. Uh, and as you can see, oh, sorry, actually, no, I'm not going to move on to Foden yet because I'm going to ask you, Sterling and Bumo Madison, where does Sterling rank? Because you've put on Mbumo Oh, th- there, th- third. third. So third. But I have, so I have Jackson, so I'm going to be, that's going to be flavouring my take. But I think there just isn't an alternative for Mbumo. Like, it's not like you need an alternative. You don't need another Brentford player. Yeah. It's it's Mbumo, not Brentford. Um, Madison, Tottenham's fixtures are good. So maybe if Son had been playing well, maybe if, actually, if Richarlison had been playing well, that would have been a really interesting yeah, conversation. Yeah. The Jackson, Sterling and Madison, mm-hmm. Richarlison would have been really interesting because you could have one of both and swap them around. But because Richarlison isn't really tempting anyone, I think you go Madison and therefore do you go Jackson because if those are just the two spots you've got available, like losing a Brighton midfielder and losing a uh, Brighton striker or losing an Arsenal midfielder, I think if you want a bit of both, you have to go that way around. Yeah, no, I know. I Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I agree with you. I, I would go and boom, Madison Sterling at the moment in terms of, but I don't think that that's not us to saying that we think Sterling is a bad move. 
it's just how we're thinking in terms of team setting up. We got Phil Foden next, which is also quite who's also quite a divisive player. Lots of people jumped on him this week. Uh, he was playing. I can't remember. Oh, they Sheffield United away. Now he ended up having gastroenteritis. I think he came out and said, which basically, you know, is, he had a bit of a dodgy stomach, um, which is good, I think, because it means it wasn't a tactical decision. It's good. You're happy that he got that. Oh you're yeah, under. no, yeah, you're, you're putting that on. That's that, oh, yeah. that's been recorded and really good. He got it. Uh, no, but it's good in terms of <laughs> FPL because it wasn't a tactical decision. Like he basically, yeah, if fair. he wasn't ill he would have played and that's what we want to hear we, we don't want to hear oh yeah he actually i don't I, I don't fancy him in that game whatever it is i feel like this is the time for foden to now start getting that more game time you've got up here some heat maps between him and alvarez yeah so i when we were going through these obviously i'd done a couple of players where it was like position this season position last season i thought it'd be very boring for all of these i wanted to sort of look what was most relevant in our foden conversation and I think the question you're asking yourself, other than is he going to play, which is an entirely fair question for every City player. <laughs> but if you've resolved that, if you've resolved that it was just we illness this weekend and he is, you know, he is going to play four out of five, which is about the best you can hope for if you're not Haaland or Edison. Then the question you've got to ask yourself is, is it Foden over, say, for example, an Alvarez or over a Madison and Bumo Sterling, yeah. whatever, in terms of your squad? So we've addressed that first bit. So now I thought the next question to address would be Alvarez, because you probably have a City defender. If you don't, you're probably going to get one, and you definitely have Haaland. So you only have one spot. Alvarez and Foden are midfielder, or forward and midfielder, respectively, sorry, in FPL. In real life, they are playing right next to each other in terms of the average position. So you can see here again from SofaScore, just so I can show the two maps next to each other. We have 47 on the left, which is Foden. This is just the match against Newcastle because they both started. So it's mm -hmm. more relevant data than obviously the other matches where uh, where we aren't seeing the same sort of thing for the full length of the match. Um, and then Alvarez on the right hand side at number 19. In terms of their average position, they are literally next to each other. Foden slightly towards the right in terms of how Man City are orientated. But if we look then at their touch map around the pitch, Foden looks a lot more involved, firstly, to me. And secondly, is probably getting more touches further forward, slightly further central, but also further right and arguably a bit deeper. I think what that suggests is not necessarily, oh, I want our, I want Foden because he's getting those touches high and central or whatever. He's just more involved. He's getting more touches. You can argue over who's replaced who in terms of the KDB role or the Gundogan role or whatever. I think realistically, it's not a case of them replacing them one for one. They're replacing the slot in the side and then obviously doing the job in the way that they're interpreting Pep's instructions. And we'll see that with Bernardo Silva in a minute. Yeah. But from this, I would say it's relatively inconclusive especially if you think their minutes are similar so the question then probably becomes obviously illness but with bernardo silva as well what happened when foden on the next slide here came on for the last was it like five minutes or something silly at the end yeah it's ridiculous yeah it was the one sub that city made which made this graphic very nice because i could just copy it over yeah well yeah the assist yeah miscontrolled the ball um, to be fair, he probably deserved much more from the previous match, so it's all all reasonable, yeah, isn't it? Like you know, what was it? Was it one assist in the last match, or was it one assist? One assist, match? yeah, nine. One points, assist and three bonus, three yeah, because three yeah. bonus. And this match, he got an assist for you know miscontrolling it. But in the last match, he probably deserved about three assists. So, yeah, so fair enough. So again, we see Sheffield United here. Um, the average positions. Ah, oh, I think I've done them the wrong way around, haven't I? The badges should be the other way around. We have Newcastle 
obviously, because I've just shown you that. My apologies. I've done the badges <laughs> on the round. So the big one on the left-hand side is not Sheffield United. It is Newcastle. Uh, obviously, we know that because we've just seen Foden and Alvarez right next to each other, sort of playing a very, very similar average position game, but a different game in terms of what they'll bring to the pitch, right? Foden more all over the place. Alvarez coming right, fewer touches. But as we'll see in a minute, maybe closer to Haaland when we look at the Newcastle match. So this is where Alvarez is doing this very much second striker, number 10, whatever you want to call it that I think he's done more often in his city career when he's come into the team. He's very close to, uh, very close to Holland there in the graphic on the left. So the middle of these three, uh, that is then Bernardo Silva sort of further on the right doing that if you want Foden roll. But as I said, I'm not sure it's a one-to-one swap. It's more like the slot in the formation, but then they'll interpret it in the way that is most suited to them and Pep's instructions. The interesting bit is we see when Foden comes on, it's five minutes. So that is, that is, Interesting data. Five minutes where they're where they're pushing as well against Sheffield United, not Newcastle. I'm so sorry about those badges. Mm-hmm. Foden is very, very high, very far right, basically very far right. Um, he's <laughs> he's very he's very high. He's very right on the pitch there, kind of in line with Alvarez. So again, repeating what we saw against uh, Newcastle, not Sheffield United on the left, but maybe a bit further forward as as they're pushing. I think that if your squad has let's say obviously if you've got jackson and harland i don't think you're going to three strikers if you don't have jackson or harland uh, jackson sorry you have harland maybe you have pedro and are looking to move on if you have money i wonder if alvarez just until that international break or the wild card or what have you is an easier pick than foden because we've talked about all these other midfielders and we need to know about minutes and with bernardo silva coming in here and obviously doing you know basically the role that I think Foden would do here as well, not Alvarez. It's not like Alvarez went and played somewhere else on the pitch and Bernardo Silva came into that role. We can see here in the maps that it really is Bernardo coming in for Foden. And we know that Pep absolutely adores Bernardo. So yeah. whether Bernardo could replace Alvarez in the next match and then Foden could play as well in this sort of notional 10, 8, whatever it is, and then Bernardo outright, maybe. But with Foden being ill, with Bernardo coming into that slot and Alvarez's role not really changing based on, you know, a very, very brief interpretation of highlight stats and watching these maps here, I would say we need to be a little careful with his minutes. However, if it's the midfield slot that's available to you, Foden looks safer than he has done for about a year and is performing wonderfully. Anyway, I hope that made some sort of sense over what we're seeing between the two of them. And I think that's the question, right? Alvarez or Foden, rather than... Rather than Foden in isolation, we need to know how to get that extra sort of city attacking spot in our side. I think it can be Foden in isolation, though. If, if you've already yeah. got... I mean, there are people out there with Haaland, Watkins and Jackson, or they've got Archer or they've got Wisser, whatever it is. And I feel like maybe they're, you know, they've got Martinelli and they just want to downgrade down to maybe a city midfielder. Their fixtures are lovely. We're expecting him to play. You know, he, he he's a great asset when he plays and when he gets the minutes last year before christmas he was an absolute he was absolutely brilliant and then obviously after christmas you went there <laughs> yeah and, I, and, I he, and it, obviously I you then see that side of it as well but the difference is this year they just don't have that squad they don't have what they had last year do they they so don't obviously have with players that can come in with docu in as well now so this is the mm. so when i say like in isolation obviously fpl question but also pep question so looking at the role that Bernardo has come in and played here, obviously he's played Foden because he's replaced him because uh, Foden was ill, we think. But we know Pep loves Bernardo. We know they've brought Doku in, who isn't going to be taking that Alvarez role, I wouldn't imagine. No. So do you think there's actually less opportunity 
well, less opportunity is the wrong way of putting it. There is more competition for Foden's spot and role, which I guess can be two different things in this team, versus Alvarez. While KDB is out, while there isn't someone who's going to necessarily play that sort of close off Haaland role, unless Foden's going to come into that, or unless who are they looking to sign, you know, maybe replace like a Gundogan type, there, Matthias Nunes, something like yeah. that. Well, I'm not sure he's going to come in and do that, you know, even if they do sign him immediately. I wonder if Alvarez is slightly safer in terms of that Alvarez versus Foden, which will be a question Pep has to answer when Bernardo's fit, when Doku is up to speed. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one because Doku's just a pure winger, isn't he? Like he plays on either wing, but he's a pure winger. But if you're having a look at this, like you said, obviously Foden kind of drifts out to that side anyway. But if Foden's starting to play centrally, I don't think Doku hurts. And it's whether he's looking at someone like Alvarez and saying, I would take you off being right next to Haaland and then bring on a Doku, still Grealish on the left and bring Doku on on the right. And then he's got those kind of pure wingers to try and feed Haaland and then keep Foden on to try and help those transitions and, you know, sit just behind Haaland again, basically. Yeah. But it's it's all guesswork. That's the problem. And it's the the one thing that's hurting Foden for me, looking at those those midfielders I'm looking at bringing in, is that I just don't know. I don't know what's going to happen every week. Whereas Madison... Yeah. He's 100% playing every week. And Bumo, 100% playing every week. And uh, Sterling, there's no reason why he's not going to be playing every week. Whereas Foden, it's just, is is his returns going to outweigh the fact that maybe he sometimes doesn't play? And is he sometimes not going to play? And also, is this the same city we've seen for years? Like, they don't seem to be that flowing attacking team that we've seen they're getting the chances and obviously Haaland's well, I mean that, yeah their numbers against Sheffield United were fine I mean obviously missed a penalty which always you know yeah. always helps but yeah, but fine. it's it's an interesting one I mean if we now look at it in a like on a conclusion way Foden for you where does yeah. he rank considering the fixtures he's got coming up as well and the fact it is City probably one of the only teams left in the league that can blow teams completely out of the water now how are you looking at him in terms of ranking him with those midfielders is he close to coming into your team at all so i'd be lying if i said one of the reasons i didn't end up going end up going sterling and went jackson was because i keep that Foden spot available for Havertz. could be a number of other players if you're wild carding you can obviously construct your team however you like and that's where i wonder if you sort of think about the alvarez versus Foden thing mm -hmm. let's assume you have a defender and a striker which i which i think is sensible you obviously don't have to have either you can quite happily go without i think the thing that's always tempting with city is that per 90 their numbers will be outrageous. Their points per 90 will be outrageous. It's like Mahrez, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but Foden might end up scoring exactly the same as Sterling or like 50 points less, but have better numbers per 90. But you need the 90s for those numbers to mean anything for FPL, right? And that's where, you know, what we've tried to, I think, go through here is I don't I don't think we're trying to draw a safe conclusion here because I don't think there is one. But with the things we've looked at here, it's basically how are Alvarez and Foden interacting do they both have a spot in the team do they both have an important spot in the team in terms of fpl how will bernardo affect that and i do think it's worth thinking that bernardo so very often plays for pep and is so very often very important but he can play a number of roles so he doesn't have to take either of their spots but there's every chance he does especially if we know rodri's nailed obviously and then we'll see what you know if kovacic is now taking that sort of middle of those midfielders then there's only one left which either foden or alvarez are going to have to seed to Bernardo if, say, for example, a Doku started taking the right wing spot. Uh, he is, I think we talked about this last week, a, a dribbly boy, as people like to say. He's very, very good at progressing ball at feet, uh, probably similar to like how Grealish has been in the past before before Pep changed him into a slightly different player in terms of controlling possession. Maybe that's what they want to do with Doku, but I think 
he's probably replacing what Mara's brought. So you yeah. know how Pep will have plans for certain matches. And I think we probably mention this every time we talk about City, but please go follow Luke. Uh, Dis underscore Luke or something on Twitter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, please, please go follow Luke. Listen, him, listen to him on Inspector Goals when he talks about, about City because he knows it better than anyone. The two big things I think we can take away from what Luke often says is that Pep, while he doesn't pick on form necessarily, he does enjoy rhythm and he will reward players for doing well with keeping spots in the team. So if, for example, Foden's playing brilliantly, there's every chance he may keep it. But what always overrides that is Pep will have a plan for every opposition. So something we saw a lot last year is those low blocks like Nottingham Forest. He would basically play Haaland and Alvarez up top together and that would take a spot away from someone else like a Foden. With Doku now coming in, we would see matches where Mahrez would start, um, you know, whether whether Pep wanted a certain amount of control over a match. He's spoken about how Grealish brings that to him an awful lot. And if he wants it on the other side, he may have played Mahrez more or less, depending on what he wants out of the team in that in that situation. And that was often Foden's problem. It was often Mahrez that brought the tactical thing that Pep wanted. Going forward this year, Foden obviously could play a different role, but I think then the question becomes, how is Pep going to use Doku? Let's assume he uses Bernardo when he can. And how is that going to affect these two? And I think a very long-winded way of, I guess, coming back <laughs> to the point I made earlier, is I think while Foden it could be brilliant for FPL, while KDB is out, I think Alvarez is going to see more minutes. And so, you know, per minute Foden, but maybe more minutes Alvarez. Yeah. So while we finish off then on these midfielders, before we look at our teams, if you were on wildcard now, who are your five midfielders? Uh, Salah, Diaz. No. Um, to be fair, I'd be tempted Stop. to try and make a Salah team. Is it? I think again, the wildcard eight is when you probably drop Harlan, go Salah, no, 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 and then no, no, hide no. behind a big fo- now. sofa. Now, 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 now. Keep in mind, task. Um, so you have Bruno. Yeah. You have Mbumo. Yeah. You have Saka, if we think he keeps penalties. Mm-hmm. So that's three. Then you've got two spots. Mine are currently Rashford. It's tempting to drop Rashford, if only to try and find something else elsewhere. But I think you keep Rashford. You're going to be there anyway, so it should be fixtures. So that just leaves us one spot, which is basically the same question we've been answering anyway. And so I'm going to give it to... So the one player we've not talked about in this detail is Eze. It's between Madison and Eze. I'll give it to Madison. Interesting. I like edit. I like Eze an awful lot. An I awful. Know, lot. I know. And I know a lot of people as well will be asking why we haven't discussed Diaby. Uh, I really, really like Diaby, but in a couple of weeks. Yep, that's the same as Newcastle. So, I very nearly uh, on the on the big list we put up. Diaby's yeah. on there. So is Leon Bailey. He actually has better numbers per ninety. Yeah. But that doesn't matter if you know minutes or I think. Diaby looks brilliant. I think Watkins. Yeah, he lost penalties, which we know is a is a slight dent to his to his uh, FPL potential. But it looked brilliant again the other day. Probably probably should have scored if it weren't for a wonderful save from uh, from Trafford. I think is it six something like that that their fixtures are better off the top of my head. So the the wild card in eight that we're all probably going to do is when you start getting Villa and Newcastle. That's a big reason for wild cutting around there. And, you know, maybe you lose City or at least lose some other City options. So this conversation. <laughs> Bring us back to this conversation. If you're looking at City, Alvarez, Foden, whoever, you may only be looking for four for four weeks. Yeah. So maybe that could give you more confidence than say a Foden, because I'd be surprised if like Doku comes in and is you know first choice in that time. So yeah, fair enough. If actually that's a nice way to wrap this up. Sorry that I've taken so long to come to it. If the conversation I was trying to make the point of like minutes versus per ninety, if Foden is the per ninety winner, which I think he is, 
you can probably give him enough minutes in the next four weeks to make him a better op- option than Alvarez, even though you're gambling a bit. Then you wildcard, and what you do is you wildcard into like Liverpool, Newcastle, Villa, I think. Newcastle defence, Aston Villa midfield and one Watkins. Maybe someone keeps a keeps a Matt Cash as well. Uh, and then yeah, maybe you're going for like a Salah or a Diaz, something like that in Liverpool. Basically, what you're doing is you're planning out our agenda for the Game Week 8 Scoutcast, aren't you? Well, yeah, and that never goes wrong, doing no, it four weeks ahead, fine. right? They couldn't possibly. Maybe Rhys James will be fit again, fine. mate. I'm wildcutting back into Rhys James. <laughs> I am right. as well, if he's fit. Let's have a look at our teams then. So this is my team uh, at the moment. This is my bus team. i got Pickford in goal. <laughs> oh, i got Pickford in goal. i got uh, double Chelsea defence with Chilwell and Colwell. i got Estupanen. i got Martinelli, Rashford, Matoma, Saka, Bruno Fernandes, Nicholas Jackson, Haaland, Saliba on the bench because uh, they're playing at home. and They don't keep clean sheets at home, apparently. Uh, Luke Shaw, who's injured. Osula, who has now lost his place to um, Archer, you would have assumed. Uh, and then Turner on the bench as well. I've got two free transfers with zero in the bank. Initially, I was thinking Martinelli to Mbumo and Shaw to a City defender. And then I was looking, planning the next few weeks, and I was thinking, I've got so many issues in defence in terms of who am I going to play every week. And it just felt like I was getting rid of Shaw to bring in a City defender where I'm going to want to play them every week, which means I've got to bench one of Colwell, Saliba and Estupinan every week. And it just seemed like a headache. So I'm just going to keep sure this week because it's those midfielders I want. So I think I'm going to be getting rid of Matoma and Martinelli. This is at the moment for Madison and Mbumo. That's that's the two moves I'm thinking of making. And I'll keep sure for another week. And then next week, as long as nothing goes wrong, I'll move sure to Anu Doggy or uh, Botman if he's okay. It sounds like he might not be. Uh, or a Villa defender because I feel like then I'm just going to keep them on my bench and then unleash them in game week seven, eight, nine, if if I don't wildcard, whatever happens then. So yeah, I, I feel like that's the moves I'm going to make. Matoma Martinelli to Madison and Bumo. I feel like then I've got the midfield that, you know, I love. I could easily get rid of Rashford if I wanted to in a couple of weeks time, but I feel pretty happy with that, to be honest, Seb. Do you think there's value in using one transfer and continuing to roll another? I did think about that because of the international break. I won't lie. And it felt nice maybe having those two weeks. It, it's just the fact I want Mbumo. Yeah. And I feel like if I were to only do one, it would be Martinelli to Mbumo. But it's... I just feel like, like I said before, with Madison in those kind of streaks, I just feel like you need to get on him as soon as you can. And I feel like even away to Burnley, it isn't the nicest of fixtures, but I still feel like he can get a return. Matoma home to Newcastle. Probably could. We've seen Newcastle aren't as strong as maybe we're wanting them to be. But I, 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 this was my plan to jump off of Matoma after game week three, and it was to try and get Madison. And I feel like I just kind of want him now. Um, but yeah, that, that could be an option. It could be that I only do one. but And having two after the international break is nice. But yeah, I do fancy those moves. So we'll see what happens. Um, moving on to your team, Seb. Talk us through it. Oh, look at this. <laughs> So I'm 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 not playing FPL next week because I can get into my account. Um, it'd be funny if I log in and I'm like on a minus one thousand and eight or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh no! Um, that'd be a, that'd be the easy way out. In, yeah. Applications almost... for uh, Scoutcast presenters in the post in the post, that'd please. Be jokes. Um, yeah. So I guess jump back to my points. I guess and we can just sort of talk through that. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, yeah, that's fine. Sweet. Thank you. There you go. Um, so 
Jao Pedro would be a decent enough start, but this is the week that if all had gone to plan, basically, which means, you know, Rhys James had still been fit, I'd have an extra transfer. So I'd probably be losing Jao Pedro as per was the plan and either losing Estefanan or benching. I would have wanted to add 1.5 in the bank, I think, to start the season, which would have done me Gabriel or Estefanan up to a trippier, although maybe in a couple of weeks. So the plan has had to be adjusted a bit from that. I've obviously gone Jackson now. Um, so I have very little money in the bank now, but quite a heavy bench in uh, Baldock, who was back fit. Gabriel and Jao Pedro. The team, as from last week, and we'll see how it ends up lining up, is Edison, Chilwell, Gusto, Estupanan, Rashford, Saka, Bruno, Habert, Mbumo, Jackson, and Haaland. So I am probably looking at either losing Gabriel and bringing in a defender, or carrying Gabriel for another week, not necessarily, because I believe he'll start. We'll see. If Zinchenko starts, I still kind of think he might start, but I'm definitely losing confidence in that if only because Zinchenko hasn't started. Mm. And I imagine he's fit now, so I don't know if Arteta just prefers the inversion from the right, and therefore the Zinchenko-Gabriel theory will just never get tested, let alone proven. <laughs> but for FPL, I think I have a more important spot to fix, which is which is Havertz. Uh, we saw, if people want to jump back at any point, on the big list of midfielders, he was better than Martelli, actually, so far in three weeks of numbers. But really, where that's come from is he's kind of just put up little bits here and there. I think he had one decent chance. It's not like at any point you've gone, oh, he must have scored, or he had a one match where he got loads and loads of chances or something like that. He's got all right numbers, but they've come in little bits and stuff, which obviously maybe isn't going to indicate that he's not going to be hugely involved going forward, or at least it might take time for him to bring what at least I thought he might bring from that that eight sort of advanced eight uh, position. And with those first three fixtures now out of the way, I think it's viable to look to move on anyway. So that is probably the spot I'm looking at. And thus the conversation tonight on on midfielders. So I do have Mbumo. There's every chance I go Madison. I really like the look of Eze. We didn't go into him in detail tonight, but his numbers are brilliant. He's on penalties. He's on set pieces. Palace's fixtures are improving mm. and he's cheaper, which I, which for me, who have, I've just gone and spent most of my money on doing Mbama up to Jackson. So I have very little left now. If I want Newcastle defense out of the team I've got here, and I don't want it just to be Botman, I do need to find some money from someone. It wouldn't be enough just to drop Jao Pedro down a million. I'd probably need a little bit more because the price changes just a little bit more. So I'm tempted by that. The other thing I'm tempted by, again, because of squad construction, is Foden. But I think what I'd rather end up with is Jao Pedro becoming Alvarez in that situation and me finding funds elsewhere. And have it down to Eze and then wildcarding into Newcastle a couple of weeks mm-hmm. late might be worth it. One thing I th- should just throw in on the City stuff as well, though, is because um, we mentioned per 90 so much. So just wanted to very quickly, uh, some of the numbers from only just so far this season, last season, I think Foden did come out on top. But so far, Alvarez is just beating Foden per 90 uh, by about like 0.1 so far per 90. Uh, So when I'm saying, oh, Foden is better per minute, but Alvarez gets the minutes, that is incorrect so far this season. But I believe longer term, that is what we might see. And to round this off, why don't I, because we don't have Flappy tonight, but why don't I just very quickly explain what he's done? Oh, yeah, yeah. Go on. It's got to be quick, though, because we've still got a bit to do. So he's done Sterling. He did Sterling straight away after the match. A uh, massive knee jerk. He's a foolish, foolish man. So disappointed. No, he's not. No, no, no. He, so he did. He's not here to defend himself. So I, I want to just very quickly. He mentioned that he's got four mids like like both of us from Arsenal and Man United. He doesn't want so much investment into that match. So he had to get rid of one of those spots. Therefore, it's a midfielder. He's looking at watching Chelsea. He just loves what he's seen so far. Looking like the Sterling of old, which obviously I think there's an emotional connection here, but that's very valid. Rich had Sterling in the past for Man City in some very, very good spots and did very, very well out of it. 
likewise, he says, like a mug, he's still carrying Jao Pedro. <laughs> and he doesn't want, say, for example, the reason he went early, the move, the staving, he's gone to get a, to get Sterling to become like 0.6 or 0.8, as opposed to like a full 1 million. So he wanted to get as much money he can into the bank to like solve problems like Jao Pedro. He has Archer, who he thinks will become an option for him if he needs, if, you know, if minutes are a worry for someone going forward. So I think the reasons he's done it makes sense. For me and you, though, I think we were both like, you've done this because it's a great, great move, but you've done it now as opposed to waiting the week because you just want to you just want to sate that that thing in your head, which I think is entirely valid. But they've got Carabao Cup midweek. I would be I would be a little nervous, just a little nervous. But he wanted the 0.1 and that's a big reason he did it. Yeah, and he's done it, and and it could work out. But it just seems so risky to me. Um, Mark's done it as well. Mark Southern's done it. There's already, people, yeah. There's people fair, who fair, have fair. done it. Uh, I think Hibbo's done it as well. Um, so there are people that have done it. If it works, brilliant. I I, just, oh, I don't know. I just don't have the uh, the guts for that. I'm not going to lie. Um, right, moving on. The to... move this one is is Bowen, isn't it? If you want, if if you actually if you actually want Sterling as a loot and get Bowen. Yeah, exactly. Um, community team only fifty points this week. What's going on? What's going on, guys? I thought you were giving it the big one before the season, weren't you? Yeah. All going downhill now. Look at that. Look, Onana in goal. No <laughs> Bruno, got, mate. Should have got Pickford. Uh, Onana in goal. Uh, Chilwell, Ruben, Estupinen, Rashford, Matoma, Martinelli, Saka, Madison. Great shout on him, though. Watkins and Harlan captain. Um, they had quite a few fires to put out. Uh, and I think that they're in okay shape. Uh, but only 50 points this week. So they've, uh, they've fallen back a little bit. I'm not going to lie, Seb. We're not going to be wearing masks on the first stream back. We're not. It's it. We're not. They 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 have they started well, and I reckon there's trouble in paradise in that group chat now. I reckon they're going to pop. Honestly, <laughs> uh, but I should say uh, happy birthday to um, the guy that's, that's organising all this for us, um, uh, Rank Chaser. Thank you so much, and uh, and happy birthday. I think it's his birthday tomorrow. Oh, birthday. Um, right. We're going to finish off. Look at this graphic. Woohoo! Uh, so over and unders now this week. So I've got six players here. Most of them are midfielders. Uh, in fact, all of them are. No, they're most of them are. They're one of them isn't. Uh, I'm going to go. We've only got you, Seb. So we're going to do this really, really quickly. Over cool. and unders for all these players. Um, FPL Ferrell made this graphic. He is absolute legend. And the graphic is just awesome. So uh, make sure you give us a like if you like this as well. And give him a drop as well. And just say, this is awesome. Uh, so Sterling we've got. So this is for their next three weeks. So from game week four to six. Do you think Sterling is going to get over or under 18.5 points? He's got Nottingham Forest at home, Bournemouth away, Aston Villa at home. 18.5 points. Is that reasonable for the next four to six weeks, over or under? Right. So I, the reason we were late tonight and the reason I've not looked at this yet is because I was doing that final Foden versus Alvarez thing graphic that we talked about. So I hope that was worth it because I'm going to purely vibe this. Yes. Sterling Sterling did got 19 points in one match mate so he's on for he's on for 19 just against Forest right 18.5 terrible shout so you're going over, over. massively over triple it nice um next one is Martinelli so he's got Man United at home Everton away and then Tottenham at home 14.5 points I've got for him for those three game weeks uh what do you think over or under 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 yeah I go under as well considerably <laughs> uh madison's up next he's got burnley away sheffield united at home and then arsenal away 16.5 points here for him Are you going over Let's or under actually trying to think about this one because yeah. i might get him so if he gets an assist three uh turning up to five maybe six with a clean sheet get a couple of bonus if he gets an assist probably just because he's so involved bruno fernandez-esque so you could call an assist like an eight pointer give or take 
does that twice, still under by 0.5. So either needs to double double return in one of those matches or do something against Arsenal. Obviously, he'll have the two appearance points. So I would say just edge it over. Just edge it over. Yeah, nice. I thought that was a close one, that one. Uh, I've gone more for Foden. So Foden's yeah. up next. He's got Fulham at home, West Ham away, Nottingham Forest at home, those fixtures. I've got 17.5 points for him. Are you going over or under? It's minutes, isn't it, man? Um, Fulham at home, probably fine, you would think. I mean, that's the thing. Any one of these matches, he gets them all in one match. Sterling style, doesn't he? But I will go... I will go over. Let's say let's say he... It was just illness. He's fine. He's nailed under Pep. Doku isn't coming in yet to steal his, to steal his team. It'll be Bernardo. That's the thing, man. It'll be Bernardo only in one of those matches because he won't need that level of control against Fulham and Forrest at home. So Foden plays and smashes it. Yeah. Hopefully in one game because he won't play the other two. Uh, Rashford. <laughs> Rashford up next. Uh, he's got Arsenal away, Brighton at home, Burnley away. I've given him 18.5. What do you think? Over or under? Under. Man United are finished. Typical Leeds fan. And then the last one, uh, uh, interesting one here, Saliba. Oh, nice. Man United at home, Everton away, Spurs at home. Clean sheets don't seem to happen for Arsenal at home. No, they don't, weirdly. I've gone for 11.5 points. What do you think? Yeah, so if he keeps clean sheet, obviously six, and then could get a couple of bonus. So... If you got like every time they keep clean sheets, say he gets one bonus, so seven, it's fourteen. Need two clean sheets. Man United home, Tottenham home, Everton away. Might be one clean sheet there. I think he needs another return. So under. Oh, under eleven point five. It's tough. It's t- it's tough. Yeah, it really is tough. Uh, lovely stuff. And again, thank you so much, Farrell. Uh, I love the graphic. It's awesome. He's going to do that every week for us. So he's an absolute legend. Right. Q and A now. I reckon we've got. About- I will stay on this screen because the intro screen doesn't have the uh, the mics. Uh, so awesome. uh, Zubin says, do I sell Rashford or Eze? I need to get in either in Bumo, Foden or Sterling. Uh, repeat that again. Sorry, I was just reading reading chat. making sure Do I, I sell okay. Rashford or Eze? I need to get in either in Bumo, Foden or Sterling. Do not sell Eze. Do not sell Eze. Yeah. Uh, so I guess Rashford. Cool. Um... Ron Manager, if you had to choose one of Rodri, Sterling, Gordon or Bowen, who would you go for for the next four game weeks? So Rodri and Gordon are out. So it's just <laughs> Sterling or Bowen. Um, Sterling. Yeah. Bowen's got tricky fixtures as well. Um, Mahomey says, uh, what do you think of Lewis Hall as an option? No. I'm He's not because... Botman might be out, so Burns going to potentially play centre back. 
Yeah, but I don't they've, know. So they've got Livermento as well, haven't they? Yeah. Oh no, he's on the right. Sorry. Yeah, I, I think we talked. Didn't we? The trivia can play left, but obviously you keep him right just because that's where he's so productive for them. I think so. If it, I guess if you're cutting in a couple of weeks, maybe I don't know the extent of injuries, and I don't know the certainty of that being the way that you know uh, that Newcastle would change to accommodate it either. But the one thing like that is if you're going to make a move where you know you might have to reverse it or bench the player when a first choice player comes back fit, you need to know that you're going to get a real good return on your investment in that period. Mm-hmm. And excuse me, I just hit the mic. And then you can, and also you need to know you can get out of it at the other end. And I think that would be just one ask too many. So I think there must be there must be other things you can do in your squad than bring in Hall. Yeah. Uh, Damien Bruin says uh, Onana replacement options, please. Anyone? A goal? A goalkeeper? Um, uh, I'm shaking I rated, my head I rated Johnston before the season to No Palace, but we'll see what happens to Dean Henderson there. So I like I like Palace's defence an awful lot. Over the all of last season, they were fourth, I want to say, or fifth for um for expected goals against, uh fourth, fourth or fifth best. So that's encouraging over a whole season. Obviously, we need to play the fixtures. Johnston is nice and cheap. But if Dean Henderson comes in, that could be a bit of a problem. Flecken, very easy, just you know, Brentford, again, very easy option. And Edison, man, just I've gone Edison, so of course I'm biased towards that. But it's just the easiest way into the best defence in the league by a mile. Terrible. In a few weeks, um, Pope. Flecken for me and uh, Ariola as well, four mil. That's a good shout. Do Ariola well. and Turner would be a Do fun, well. a fun combination. Yeah, really would. Wild card combination that. Game week eight. See how that looks. Uh FPL Ron Frost. Brilliant data, Ron Frost, by the way. Give him a follow. He's a really, really good follow. Uh says, Do I start Archer in game week four? And it's gotta be quick now, Seb. No. <laughs> Got like a minute. No, yeah, I say no. It's starting to happen, and I don't I don't see it yet. Um start uh, Ryan Todd says start two out of these three Trippier, Estupanan, Udogi so basically which one would you bench Trippier and Udogi so Estupanan so you bench Estupanan only good things happen when you bench Estupanan that's the Um, assumption that if Udogi doesn't get 90 he gets zero Uh, Gavin Dolan says what are your thoughts on hits at the moment uh, you, I mean, if you're in big trouble, like injuries and you can't fiddle team, by all means, take one. But generally, I think the best advice is you should be more hesitant to take hits than we generally are in the FPL scape. We're sometimes a bit too keen to take them. They're mostly for doubles and for getting yourself out of holes. They're not for like chasing Sterling or something like that, yeah. in, in my opinion. Yeah, especially if you're getting rid of a player that's going to play as well. That's always a, yeah. a hard hit to, to justify. Uh, Sigurd says, do I go Gavardio or Ruben Diaz? Ruben Diaz is nailed in terms of outfield City players as much as they can be, but assuming there's a bit of a price issue there, I think Vardial could be decent, man. I nearly started the season with him, nearly, until I found out he wasn't starting. Yeah, uh, Flapjack's in the chat, by the way. He told oh. us he wasn't here today, so I don't know what he's doing oh, in yeah, the chat. That's super suspicious, isn't it? Yeah. Well, he yeah. hasn't realised David Monday's in the chat as well, so he's not getting paid this month. Um, and last one... Uh, do I do is this from FPL Dream? Do I do Pedro to Alvarez or do I just roll? I I would do that if you're having to play that player. Yeah. Otherwise, roll. If it's a benching, if it's a benching thing, roll because you've got a good eleven. Yeah, lovely. Right. Thank you so much for the people that are in the chat this week. Like I said, are we at, we tapped out about a thousand people so thank you so much for joining us we will be here again next week and we will have the more handsome flapjack with us as well obviously thank you so much for putting up with us too uh seb i hope you enjoyed your evening i really did yeah we we stumbled through i think that was okay thank you so much for for making it okay my friend 
I've realised that Flappy's the glue. I think Rich is the glue that keeps us both <laughs> together. Uh, and like I said, obviously Fair. enjoy this week. We've got um, midweek games. So do, in my opinion, don't make any transfers early because information is key. So you never know. It doesn't have to be the person you're bringing in that gets injured that's the problem. It's any other person in your team that might get injured that means that you maybe have to make a move. So just just, just hold it. It's okay. You've um, missed the price rise now, so genuinely wait now. Exactly. Um, but yes, thank you so much, Anna. We will see you again next week. Bye-bye. Thank you very much.